Episode 27, welcome into the US Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle, back in London, away from New York City. It's a shame, but the NBA playoffs are here, so there's lots to talk about. I want to call up my good friend in Belgium, Dennis Syatt, to talk all things first round. James Harden against Russell Westbrook, that Toronto-Milwaukee series, which is getting interesting. Boston, 2-0 down against Chicago. What's going to happen there? And plenty more to get into with Dennis. If you want to get in touch with the show at the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle, it's me on Twitter, at Max underscore Whittle is the best way. Let's get on the phone to Dennis Syatt. So we've got Dennis Syatt on the line again, NBA man, First round of the playoffs is underway, so I thought I'd give him a call. How are you, mate? I'm very well. I'm very well, Max. How are you? I'm good. Uh, congratulations, first of all, on your basketball season being over. The the more important basketball we're going to talk about tonight. You uh, <laughs> just finished the season. Yes, I have. I have. So uh, we won the championship. Now it's up to some of the 16 teams that are still re- remaining in the NBA championship. Uh, I'm wondering who it's, go- who it's going to be because the first round has been uh, really interesting those uh, first couple of days we've been having well the good the good part of the season is now here right in the nba uh it's it's nice because after about game 65 i think players and fans are ready to to move on and, and the first round has is already provided a lot of entertainment if as we're speaking it's thursday night so most of the series in fact all of the series have played two games in the first round now mm-hmm. uh, so we'll try and focus in on on the games tonight there's a, there's a couple of games tonight as well but the first one that really interests me is Chicago and Boston. Now, the Bulls currently lead 2-0 in the series. They've gone to Boston and won both games as an eighth seed. That's the second team ever to do that. So, I mean, just what are your thoughts, first of all, on this, on this surprise? Yeah, is it a surprise? That's, that, first of all, all right. We, we all love Brad Stevens and his Celtics, um, and they deserve the first spot in the East, especially when you watch the Cavs this season um, with the highs and the lows, and the lows especially after New Year. But... Yeah, Celtics are a good team. They have Isaiah Thomas, then, then, then you had that first game, right? You had the, the, all the emotions um, with the passing of uh, Isaiah Thomas' uh, little sister in that horrible car crash. But even though the Celtics are trading 2-0, um, and everybody's saying that this is going to be an upset, it isn't that surprising. The Bulls are just playing well for the first time this season. We had some, uh, they had some moments. Um, we had some moments that we got to see them play all right. But you see their strengths. And... Uh, Especially, this is a team that knows the weaknesses of the Boston Celtics, and that's really important. They knew it right away, actually. Um, and that's a little surprising that that happened so fast because the Celtics don't seem to have an answer. They have plan A, and that's scoring three-pointers, moving the ball around and hitting from three. But if those shots are falling, they don't have a plan B. There's a couple of things here. So they didn't make any moves in mid-season at the trade deadline and as you know I was in the States a few weeks ago and I covered a Boston game they played the, the game against Cleveland actually where the Cavaliers just came into the garden and destroyed them yeah and, yeah, yeah. and there was some vulnerabilities showed there uh, it was it was built up as a big game but Gerald Green was one of the guys in the locker room who said that the fact that they did nothing at the trade deadline made him happy and I know he's going to say this but they were playing well at the time and there was a familiarity about this side. Now, it's a kind of a case of don't bro- don't fix what isn't broken. But if they pick up Jimmy Butler in the midseason, I don't think they're better than the Cavs. If they even if they got one of Paul George or Jimmy Butler, they're not better than Cleveland. I don't think they're ready to beat Washington even at that stage. So, you know, you've got potentially a nice thing if they do fall out of the first round. They've got the number one pick this year, maybe next year as well. But in the draft, they're going to get younger. 
They're not going to get better straight away. And they're probably going to go and get a point guard. So although they did nothing and now we're seeing the cracks and a team that's maybe not playoff built, I'm still a bit tired of hearing people say, oh, well, look at Chicago. They were, they were ready to beat the Boston Celtics and this Celtics team isn't a playoff team and this could be a surprise. Well, no one was saying that a week before the pro season began. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but you're always referring to the Celtics, uh, like you said, they have the first pick. They got some young talent. They got a good core. And Isaiah Thomas already said it himself. We're not being treated uh, respectfully as the number one seed. And they are the number one seed. We should know that. But we should also see that they're not the perfect team, that they also have some things to, uh, to work on, to improve, that they've got a brilliant coach with some brilliant plays, some brilliant insight. But their best player is, what is he, five foot nine, five foot ten? That's a problem. And especially in the playoffs, everything changes. This isn't the regular season. You got to win four games against the same team. So you know each other, you know each other's game plans. And you have to do something with Isaiah Thomas in defense too. And that is a big problem. You saw it in the first game. If Jerry and Grant is is able to post you up and to make it difficult on your defense that everybody has to adapt, that's a problem. And that's only going to get bigger in my my eyes. Now Now you're singing the praise of Jerry and Grant. Have I got that right? No, that's that's the bad. That's the thing I'm saying. I don't like Jerry and Grant, and if even he's able to do that, then the, the Celtics have a problem because yeah. they can't hide Isaiah Thomas. They can hide him on Rajon Rondo if you look at it, because Rondo can't shoot. You can sag off from him. Um, he can post you up, but still Rondo. But yeah, you've got Rajon Rondo from 2013 playing again. I don't know what happened, but. He's back. He, playing against, it's, it's, it's playing the, against the Celtics might help him, you know, that little motivation when he's in the garden. Mm-hmm. And I look at the Boston team, right? You've got no number one guy. So Isaiah, I think he's an all-star. I think he's a great player. I don't think he's a number one guy, especially in the playoffs when, you, like you say, you can match up against Thomas very well. Jay Crowder, good player, not a number one guy. Avery Bradley, nice player, not a number one guy. They need a star player. And yeah, that's true. Even, that's if, they, true, even if they'd have got it, I, they, they wouldn't be a great team, but they, they need a star player. But I want to ask you this. You, you say Isaiah Thomas. He's not a number one option, but he, he is the go-to guy from this team uh, for the Celtics. Can he be a number two option with his play, with how he mm. conducts himself on the court? That's what I'm wondering. I don't, I don't, I don't know that, actually. Why if couldn't Isaiah forward, be a two, right? Could you see a, a situation where Fultz is drafted and Isaiah is a shooting guard? Because, I, I mean, I could see that. Defensively? Can you see that? No, absolutely not. And he would be playing so, against some big wings as well. But that's, that's always going to be the issue with Thomas, right? Yeah, His height. It is. It is, it is, it is going to be an issue. And I'm wondering what they're going to do. I'm, I'm more curious about next, se- next season, this summer for the Celtics, than these series. That's actually mm-hmm. a bad thing. I know that. But I'm more curious about what Danny Ainge is going to do because he's got a lot of options. Gordon Hayward is becoming an unrestricted free agent. We know his ties with Brad Stevens from Butler from the university. Um, they can trade the number one pick for something. They can get Gordon Hayward if they work something out, a sign and trade, I don't know, and get Gordon Hayward and who knows, a Paul George or a Jimmy Butler and keep Isaiah Thomas. I don't know what's that going to look like, but they can do some things. And I'm more curious about that than this series because uh, it's very simple. If the Celtics don't start rebounding, it's over. But we are getting away from the series. And, and that's that yeah. was the other thing I wanted to bring up with you about the Celtics-Cavs game I saw. Every offensive rebound Cleveland could have got in the first quarter, it seemed like they got everything. And Chicago had 15 offensive rebounds in the first half of game one. I think they finished with 30. 
They just look wide open. They've got plenty of wings, plenty of guards, small guys, though. They've got good defenders in Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, but that mm-hmm. physicality is not matching up. Chicago did everything they possibly could to not make the postseason, and they even kept Miami <laughs> out of it. Like I, I can't yeah, I believe the Heat didn't make it. 41 wins, 41 defeats, but they do have Dwayne Wade, who's played 14 seasons and won three championships. They do have the best player in the series, but matchup-wise... I just didn't see this being a, a factor. Then you've got two smart bigs, Al Horford against Robin Lopez. And Horford, for me, just is, has not been worth it, in my opinion. has no. not been worth the money they paid him. Uh, but they had to go and get someone. So matchup-wise, it hasn't looked too good. But Robin Lopez is playing like Shaq. He's playing like, like <laughs> Shaq. He's absolutely <laughs> dominating. He's getting every rebound. Um, he's hitting those mid-range shots like, like, like Bill Wennington and Luke Longley used to do back uh, in the days with the Bulls. And he's hitting almost everything. Um, he's crashing the boards like crazy. And Alfred isn't doing anything about it. Um, Amir Johnson isn't doing anything. You got Zeller, you got Olinik. All too soft on the boards. And then you got Rondo, who's back to being old Rondo. That means someone who does everything except score from behind the three-point line. But, you know, he collected... Seven more offensive rebounds in game two than Olinik, Johnson, and Zeller combined. That's a point guard. Those are three big guys. If they don't even have seven offensive rebounds, yeah, that's a problem. That's a real big problem. That's saying a lot. I would say as well, finally, that the guys like Jurebko, uh, Olinik, I don't know if they're physical enough in, at this time of the year. Uh, Moving on tonight, we've got Indiana and Cleveland. They're going to play game three. So by the time this podcast goes up and by the time most people listen to it, game three will be done. But currently mm-hmm. the Cavs are up 2 nothing. Hey, what do you make of Paul George's comments so far about his teammates? Yeah, he threw them under the bus, right? Yeah, I mean, he did. Uh, and it, it, they sounded like they were joking around on Wednesday at practice and everything was great. CJ Miles and Miles Turner and Lance Stevenson, the guys that he pinpointed specifically. I understand it. I think it's code for I don't want to be here next season. I've been, I was drafted in 2010 and haven't really done a whole lot. I've lost to LeBron James four times out of six years if, if they do fall to the Cavs here. Uh, I bet he's sick of the sight of James, as is most of the Eastern Conference. But it's crazy because journalists are going to decide how much money Paul George makes with this All-NBA vote, as I know you'll, you'll know about the designated yeah. player extension. And mm-hmm. it's whether he decides to take more money and stay in Indiana when he knows his fate's going to be around the same as it is now, or if he takes a lesser deal and goes somewhere else. But right now I'm seeing a team that <laughs> could have easily won game one, blew a lead in game two, and against this Cavs team who are, you know, exposed to bad defense and they they are exposed to being a bit lazy as if they want to play as they're they're, they're the cat and they're playing with the mouse just letting them come back in all the time to a game so I think the paces have missed a trick uh and you know who knows what's going to happen at home but they need to get the next two yeah a bit lazy they're very lazy on defense uh I don't know um I saw saw both games um and yeah the first one they should have won Paul George, yeah, he wants the ball back. I, I get that. That's the first first thing I said. Uh, I was watching the game with my mother. Um, first thing I said was, give the ball back to George. Give it back. I, I knew he wanted it back. But How does that you, work, Dennis? Analy- Did you, you see the amount of time left? And the, I, I didn't see that happening. If he gave it up, I, don't, I didn't think he could get it back. No, I think, I think he had three more seconds. If, they, if he gave it back at the right time, so George got double teamed because LeBron came up and he trapped him. Uh, Across the right side of the court, he, he skipped the pass to, to CJ Miles. And when he came back, he came over the top, Paul George to the left side. He could have gotten the ball back. But yeah, LeBron was close to him, but not close enough. Um, so either way, 
I think he would have had enough time, but I don't think it would have been a better shot than CJ Miles, what he got. There's an open so, 14-footer. I think it was a, And CJ Miles can hit that shot. I mean, there's yeah, no doubt about it. That's why he was it. on the floor. That's, that's why McMillan put him on the floor, to hit shots, to score. It was a good pump fake. He had a clean look, so I don't blame him. Yeah, then it's talking of uh, when the game's over. Yeah, I always got to hit that shot. I always got to get that shot. I, I understand that from his perspective, but if you look at the numbers... Uh, every time Paul George has taken a shot in the last five seconds to win a game with the tie game, he's been 0 for 15. Yeah, never hit in one in his career. And that so... pr- that pressure, though, you 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 play, I play. If you if you see the main guy next to you, he's in the corner of your eye with three seconds to go, and you've got the ball. Even though as you're going up for the shot, you know he's staring at you, and he know you know if that ball doesn't go down, he's going to have something to say. So maybe that played a part in Miles, but. George wasn't ready for the double team. The Pacers weren't ready for the double team. LeBron stepped mm. up to help. And I, I don't <laughs> like the idea of J.J. J. Adonde of ESPN. He actually he posted the tweet circling and showing the fact that Lance Stevenson was wide open under the basket. But that was for a tiny, tiny portion of time uh, that George, I don't think, could have found him. But for me, Paul no. George, as soon as he got the inbounds, he should have attacked because he hit a three uh, a few plays before that to pull it within two. Big shot. Big shot. Big shot. The key. For me, he has to pull up for three while he's got space when he inbounds the ball. I know it's a bit early in the clock or instantly gets it and drives. I don't think there was room for dribbling and he, and he could invite that double team almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but let's be honest. Isn't it a bad thing that we're talking about that face? The what if Indiana had scored the shot? Cleveland should have never let the Pacers get back into that game. They had it under control. End of the third quarter, LeBron gets a steal, he gets a slam dunk, 12-point lead. That was the biggest lead they had in the entire game. Those, these are the Cavs. This is a team with LeBron James, with Kyrie Irving nearing his prime, with Kevin Love in his prime. They're all three healthy. They've got to they've extend that lead or at least keep it. They can't let Indiana get back into the game because Paul George is a great player. And if we were just, if CJ Miles' shot falls, game two changes too. The whole perspective changes. And I think we might... I've seen another Cleveland because they would have been with their backs against the wall because you can't lose the first two games at home. Sorry, Boston. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but the truth. And in the second game, I thought, yeah, I never had the feeling Indiana could win, actually. It, just the feeling when you watch the game, the, the eye test, Cleveland had control. They let the paces come close, but you just felt it. They had no fear of the team. They knew they had them. Yeah, you know there's a conspiracy knew. theory now that Cleveland tanked so they could get the number two seed because it looks as if this Pacers yeah. pace series is a little more friendly than Chicago. Uh, I, nobody wants the Bulls. Nobody, nobody wants the Bulls. Bulls suddenly, even after we slated them all season. The, the, the Cavs just like to let you back in. That's been their problem all season. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're great, but they have all these guys and almost a lackadaisical attitude towards... You know, you get a double-digit lead and you just take the foot off the gas slightly and let them back in. But Indiana, are no trouble. You know, the only opponent I'm I'm seeing them being at all worried about is Washington. So we'll move on to them now. Wizards up 2-0 on the Hawks. They next play uh, on Saturday, actually. Uh, the Go back to Atlanta. So the Wizards 2-0 up. John Wall, Bradley Beal, the com- super combo. Marcin Gortar has been dominating Dwight Howard. The Wizards team, who, I mean, we talked about months ago now as a potential big team in the playoffs. Well... They got it done at home, and, and I just like the way this team plays because it, you saw how they matched up in the reg- regular season. They played two really intense games against Cleveland in the final uh, final half of the season. And now that you see how Boston are doing, 
Look at the Wizards who have playoff experience. Wall and Gortar have been there before. You've got young players. You've got players like Beal having career years. You've got a new coach who's got experience in the playoffs and coaching KD and Westbrook. This team is proving, him- and, and proving himself. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's proving himself too. And remember, Atlanta, Dennis, they were stirring things up at the end of the regular season. They beat Cleveland twice. They beat the Celtics. But they've been no match for Washington. No, no, that's true. That's true. And I think the Wizards are going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and I hope so, because they're a fun team to watch. John Wall is amazing. Um, he's a, a top three player in the East um, in these playoffs. Uh, Bradley Beal is what we were expecting him to become when he finally was he healthy. He's healthy now. Um, they combined to score 63 points in Game 2, um, the most they've combined to score in a playoff game. Um, and you saw every score they made was a good one, a crucial one, a vital one. Um, and what is important to me is they got Gortat. Martin Gortat, um, he's a bruiser. He's, we have like five he's a bad, he's a, bad he's a bad man. Yeah, but he, he plays like a bad man. You, whether, who was it? Was it Millsap who said it? Um, we were playing basketball. They were playing uh, MMA. MMA. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was bullshit, uh, first of all. Because <laughs> Mil- Come on. Uh, I, I hope Those I can elbows. That on your podcast. Yeah, he was just he was getting the rebound, making room for himself. If you can't handle it, uh, what's how to say it? If you can't, uh, if you can't take the heat, stay out, stay out of the kitchen. That's what it was uh, from uh, from Paul Millsap. But yeah, he's been big for them. Um, the only problem for the Wizards going forward is their defense because their best lineup is a lineup with Bogdanovich uh, on the court, and then they've got to hide him somewhere. And if they end up against the Cavs, they won't make that. But I think they're a great matchup for the Bulls or the Celtics. And I still hope for the Celtics because Washington and Boston, those two teams don't like each other. We get a funeral game. Um, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I would love to see that. I think everyone expected that as a second round. There was no doubt yeah. about it. But the problem with the Hawks is Dennis Schroeder decides to take a holiday every other day. It's, it's, I just don't like Dennis Schroeder as a point guard. I don't think he's a good player. He can score you a bunch in a, in a game, but... I don't see the, the, the dedication from Schroeder and I don't see no, the logic of, of thinking that he was your guy above Jeff Teague. Uh, I'm not sure this team is, a, is better without, without Teague and with Schroeder at the keys, but they haven't oh, shown no, them at all. They're not, they're not. And the problem with Schroeder is he thinks he's Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Even his own teammates say that. He thinks he's, a, he's the guy that has to score 30 a game. Um, he's good, for, especially for a European young guard. He's good. He can play, but he's a good backup. He's not a first guard. Let me ask you this and think about it before you answer, uh, even though it's a podcast, so you can't just pause for dead air for 30 seconds. Um, is John Wall a superstar, in your opinion? Yes. Yes, I don't have to think about that for a long time. I think he's a superstar. Um, but look at do what you he's think so, do you know, The definition the of a superstar is, is, is maybe different for certain people. Like Camelo yeah, Anthony, that, that's true. great player, not a superstar but he is. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't say he's a superstar, but he is because he's a celebrity, because of where he lives. He's breaking up with his wife now, but that kind of came <laughs> into it. The Knicks, You can make else. gradations, right? You can, you can make categories. Um, for, yeah, superstars. You got the, the, the top level. You got LeBron, of course, top of the pyramid. Then you got KD, Seth, Russ, Harden, those five, Kawhi. Those are... Super, super, superstar. See, I don't think Kawhi's well, well, a superstar. It, you don't think that? No. 
I th- he doesn't talk. Why? Why? Because he doesn't. He doesn't say anything. First of all, this is all part of the superstar <laughs> category. He doesn't put himself up for interview. He plays for the Spurs. Tim Duncan, in my opinion, was a superstar, but a quiet, a very quiet one indeed. I don't think Kawhi is at that on that peak yet. Kobe Bryant is a superstar. Michael Jordan is a superstar. No. I don't put Kawhi. Let, let, me ask, let me ask you this: Who's who's the best perimeter defender you've seen? You've ever seen? I've ever seen Kawhi. Guard forward, Kawhi, best ever. I, I, I was always thinking Scotty Pippen. Pippen was my main guy, and then Kawhi Leonard came. But again, Scotty He's, Pippen for me wasn't a superstar behind Michael Jordan. Jordan left in '93, and uh, the year after, Pippen was he was almost the MVP. Mm-hmm. He led the Bulls to what was it, 58 wins or 54 wins when Jordan left. So. That's really impressive. All-Star game MVP. Um, he lost in, I think, seven games against the Knicks that year in the second round. All right, but that's... No, Pippen was a superstar. Not, not the Michael Jordan level, but I think Kawhi Leonard is better than Scotty. Yeah, can be... Would have... Yeah, that... I just... I, I, I asked you the... I, I, think, I think Kawhi's potential is bigger than Scotty's ever was. And I think we're seeing that right now this year. He's the go-to guy. He saves the Spurs every time, also in offense. If they're stuck in their offense, what do they, they do? Last five seconds, give it to Kawhi, and he fixes it every time. He has become a superstar for me. Yeah, I ask you the question with Wall because there are there is a certain category with superstar. So it's it's almost mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard for me is a great player, but he hasn't elevated to superstar status yet. Uh, final Eastern Conference matchup, and then we'll run through <laughs> predictions. And I know you don't agree with me on Kawhi. Um, <laughs> Raptors Bucks is probably the most interesting one. If you, if the Celtics don't come back into the series against the Bulls, this one is I think going seven games. You saw Milwaukee's coming out party in game one. Tom Maker, Malcolm Brogdon were excellent. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's been there all season, but people don't get to see him because he's not on national TV. And they're finally seeing what he's made of. They've reworked Chris Middleton into the lineup, and they've overcome and almost looked like a better team without Jabari Parker. So. They they took game one. The Raptors had to get game two, and they did. This playoff, Carl Lowry returned again, where he can't score the ball. Um, what, what, who do you like in this series? I like the Bucks. Um, I, I like the. I think this is the most fun series uh, in the East, um, just basketball wise. I love the two games uh, I saw. Um, like the game Milwaukee was playing, except for when Delavadova came on court. I can't stand Delavadova's style. Oh, it's so lovely so jump shot. terrible. Oh, I hate that. How can you do that? Yeah, <laughs> Wait, that, 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 that's the topic for another day. Um, love Malcolm Brogdon. Love the president. What a great player. What a great rookie that is. He's playing like he's been in the league for five, six years. And if he hits that three-pointer at the end of game two, the Bucks might still win game two and take a 2-0 lead. It was really close. Um, and yeah, you got Giannis. In game one, he was amazing. Then game two, the, the Raptors had a had an obvious game plan for Giannis and knew how to contain him. They, uh, contain him. Yeah, they tried. He had 24 points, but he had a bad shooting night. Nine, Let him uh, shoot. Again, that's another thing that I yeah. find funny is is people said are saying all this stuff about Chicago. They're saying that the Raptors figured out how to play with Giannis. They must have watched hours and hours of game tape after the regular season planning for this guy. And suddenly after mm-hmm. one game in the playoffs, they've, they've solved it. I, I don't, again, I don't buy into that. No, maybe, maybe it's, just, it's just once, but yeah, I, I just like the Bucks. I don't know, I, except for when Delavadova plays on Spencer Haas, because that's another one uh, I don't really, really get. But the Raptors, yeah, they're trying to find their, their mojo, their, their rhythm. 
And I don't think they, they know what to, do, what to do yet. And if you look at how Kyle Lowry is playing, what you just said, it's playoff Kyle Lowry. Uh, you can see that by the numbers, but how he plays. In game two, we had two open layups. He went to the hoop, and then just before he got there, he passed his man. He turned around and gave it back. That's a bad sign. That's a sign you don't have the confidence you need to, to go through in the playoffs, to, to get the shots, to beat Kyle Lowry, because Lowry it, it was a top five no, no. Top 10 point guard in the league this year. I think he was top oh, don't five. don't agree? I mean, I think yeah, he's... top five? Yeah, I think he was top five. I think he was he's one of the most underrated players this regular season. And I also thought Toronto, despite them playing the Bucks, who are a very good team... If you look at that team, in five years' time, if everything goes right, and it usually doesn't in the NBA... They could be very good. But the fact that Toronto... They're so tall. They're so tall. Tong, tall, long. But the fact that the Raptors did what they did last season, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, taking a couple of games from the Cavs, even though you could say Cleveland took another foot off the gas, I thought they were going to go into this postseason ready to go. They got that monkey off their back. They've always started poorly in the first round. They did it last season. But again, they've come out slowly. And they're, they're still trying to figure out who they are in the postseason. I thought they were going to go down to Valanciunas, playing against Tom Maker. That matchup was going to be huge. That's why Bucks played a lot of minutes for Greg Monroe. But he bit, he's been <laughs> excellent, by the way. Jake yeah. is glad that he didn't end leaving in a trade because he was he was banished to the to the bench at the start of the year. I, I, nev- I never would have thought. But what you, what you just said is what we were talking about too when we were watching the games. Get the ball to Valanciunas. Do it every time because he, he has to be able to punish uh, the lack of size they have inside because, yeah, that's all, but they don't have a bruiser like Valanciunas. He's got some skills. Uh, he was a finesse player when he was younger and playing in Europe, but now he's, he's become really big, really strong. And they have to use that, take advantage of that. But I, I don't think he's able because... Monroe, like you said, Monroe is doing an excellent job. Uh, I really, I'm really surprised by that. Tom Maker or Maker, uh, that's how we have to pronounce it, uh, by the way. <laughs> uh, Zach, Zach Lowe learned me that. Yeah, I heard that. Um, <laughs> uh, but he's doing good. He's a rookie. He's, how old is he? Uh, he was in he high school a year ago. Yeah, and he was in high school. He was in high school senior four years ago, too. So that's, that's a strange story, man. <laughs> For real. He might be 23. He yeah, might just yeah, be... exactly. Yeah, he might be thirty. We don't, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but that you, yeah, I, I like, I like the team. I, li- I like the way they play. Their, their unselfish play. Um, but the only problem is Giannis' is shot, and if they can, if the Raptors can exploit that, make Giannis earn his shot, make him, yeah, work for his drives because they, they, they clog the paint, but they, they also were there when the shooters they have um, were open. So. I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to happen, what's going to happen in the series, but uh, I like Milwaukee the most. They well, you, uh, they play great. Well, you got to take your picks quickly before we go to the West. So I'll go back to the top. Do you think? I, I think the Celtics are going to win in seven. More. What, what about you? Do you know, want to know what I think or what I hope? <laughs> well, uh, definitely what you think. Um, I think the Bulls are going to take it. Okay. Uh, I think they're going to, to lose game three, win game four, and then win in six. Okay, probably the smart choice. Cavs sweep. Um, yeah. Wizards four one four zero. Wizards four one. Yeah, the Hogs are going to win one at home. Tim Hardaway is going to have a one crazy fourth quarter. <laughs> He's going to get his Steph Curry on. And the Raps Bucks. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go seven Oof. games Milwaukee. No, I'm going to go seven games Toronto. I'm going to follow you on that one. Seven games Toronto. Uh, uh, we like the, the Bucks. Raptors. Just have to go through. <laughs> we like the Bucks, but not enough to give them the win. No, yeah, we're we gonna be honest too. I, I hope the bugs get through, but 
I think Toronto is going to get the their things together. Yeah, well, as we tape tonight, Game 3, Raptors at Bucks. So we go to the West, Golden State, Portland, first of all. The Warriors, 2 nothing up. You've had the injuries in this series. Yusuf Nurkic hasn't played a game yet. KV, KD set out Game 2, along with, obviously, more importantly, Matt Barnes and Sean Livingston, as ESPN like to tell you that those two are out as well. Um, this, has been, this has been surprising because Game 1 was exactly as I thought it would be. Tight game, lots of talking. Lillard, McCullum have big games. But the Warriors have that X factor. Draymond Green was unbelievable in Game One. It's the kind of game where he could have got a quadruple double with steals or yeah. blocks as well. He was great. He was everywhere. I've see I I see him do things instinctively that I've never seen anyone do before. So we're talking about Kawhi Leonard. Even he can't do things like Draymond Green. Where I saw him the other day, he was on the other side of the block, and he was switching with his defender, and he actually pulled the defender away to guard that yeah. guy. When he's caught the ball... On the, on the handoff, right? On the handoff. On the handoff, in time. <laughs> and then game two, you think it's going to be another tight one. I read the recap and I didn't even know Durant was not going to play. But the Blazers were, were wiped out. So where, where are you seeing this series at the moment? The Warriors are just too good because... Look at Portland. They, without Nurkic, they had one option. That's hope for McCollum and Lillard to score 80 points together. That's what happened in game one. They had their 80 points together. And in the end of the fourth quarter, the Warriors were still up by 15. And that just says it all. That's it all. They, they don't have the firepower to, to contain Golden State to match their scoring because the Warriors are, are going to score. Whatever you try, they're going to score. They just have too many options, even without Kevin Durant in the second game. That's a good thing. They had the stretch without Durant, by the way, um, now because when he, now he's out. They just adapted to the play they had when Durant was injured in the regular season. So that, that's been a good thing. But, yeah, you were talking about Draymond Green. I want to I want, I want get that there, too, because I think he's the most important player for, for the Warriors. Um, and, yes, Kawhi is the best defender I've seen from the perimeter, but Draymond is a four. He's, a, he's an old different breed. He's a, he can defend one, two, three, four, and five. And like you said, how we just... Pushed his man away, got back to his man in the hand of that to play. You never see. That's not what somebody teaches you when they teach you how to defend. And I think he's the smartest player in the NBA, defensive-wise, of course. I don't think there's, there's another player that's that savvy and that knows where to be at the right time. And then he's got those long arms. And look at the two blocks in game one against Lillard. And the first one against who was it? Against, um, I don't remember. Against Vonley. Oh, <laughs> what? Well, two amazing plays uh, that were so. Yeah, Golden State has control, and they know that they can yeah cruise through even in the next round. I think they they know they're good. They know they're good. And I like when when Durant's out, Curry almost if you know he knows he has to set the tone, so he comes out early, and and he does like to set the tone early in a normal game with full with a full lineup. But particularly when Durant's out, he will start shooting early. He he wasn't on, and neither was Clay Thompson. But what they did have in abundance, was defensive effort. So Thompson guarded Lillard and McCollum so well. Those two guys were pretty poor in game two. Draymond was guarding people at the five position. So you have that versatility. And although the Warriors are thin, and they were thin in game two, they still have that talent on defense. People don't talk about that, but especially when Durant is in there, yeah. I think they're the best defensive team in the league. So, you know, they'll go they on are, to... They the, are. They'll go on to play the Clippers or the Jazz. Um, I want to I ask you one question about the defense of, uh, of Golden State. Don't you think Clay Thompson is an underrated defender? You know, he, 
it feels like he it feels like he is away from national TV because when he when they play on ESPN, Jeff Van Gundy particularly always likes to point out how good Thompson is. Uh, but he doesn't get the credit that someone like Avery Bradley or Kawhi does. No, and, and I think they that's... talk about his shooting. They talk yeah. about how deadly he can be, but they never talk about how he can lock up a man. But you answered you answered my second point, which was going to be the scoring just outweighs, or well, not outweighs, but yeah. it dominates the talking because that's all we care about. We don't we don't talk about Kevin Durant improving on defense this season and and how Ron Adams has helped him in that respect. We don't talk about that because Durant. We we don't need to talk about defense. But the same with Clay. He's able to stick to a guy, and also he doesn't look that athletic. He plods when he dribbles. He's not a good dribbler, and he he doesn't he doesn't yeah, run true. particularly quick. But he's very magnetic in that way. So that's another weapon. Do you, do you by the way? Do you, I heard someone say the other day that Clay Thompson is the fourth best player on on Golden State? Is that is that right? I'd put him at number three, wouldn't you? No, at four. You think Green's three? I don't know if Green's three. I think he's the most important player for the Warriors. So. Can he be number three then? If you look at the skills, uh, yeah, I think Draymond is three. Draymond. So the f- I think he's, he's, he's too good. His IQ is too high to be, to be lower than that. I think it's, yeah. And who is one? Is it KD or is it Curry? See, that, it's, so, it's so subjective. But we just talked about Thompson's defense. If you've got Clay Thompson or Draymond Green, I know how much Green does for you. And I know he's the X factor of that Warriors side. And he gives them that bad blood. But Thompson is a better player for me, like better basketball player. Okay, okay. Jamon Green has the instinct. He has the passion and all that. Yeah, it's tough between KD and Curry. I think Curry is more important to the Warriors and he's the face of the franchise. But Kevin Durant is, is a better player. Like he can, he's, he's got the, he's got the yeah. height advantage, the defense, everything else. So yeah, we're, we're in agreement the Warriors are going to probably cruise past this one. Um, San Antonio, they, Memphis. They, they should, they should, they should. You know what I'm going to say about the Grizzlies, don't you? Have you got a David Fisdale impression for me? <laughs> I love David Fisdale. Take that for data. <laughs> All I wanted to say oh, was, I, I, David, I love, it's data. I love, I, love the, I love the sentence, they're not going to rook us. Oh, oh, he's, he's invented a amazing. new slogan. Yeah, that's so, so cool. I, I love Fisdale. I, I already, already loved him when he was uh, with Miami. Really, really nice guy. Uh, it's that accent, isn't it? I, 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 yeah, yeah, I saw him when we were, were there. He's a really nice guy. But now, yeah, he's so cool. And, and, and I think it's cool, too, that uh, the Grizzlies players are going to pay his fine. $30, yeah, $30,000. Yeah. Th- yeah, that, that's peanuts for them, but still. It's a, ni- it. it's a nice gesture, and it, it shows that, you know, he did have their back, and he was trying to make a point. And I think he had a valid point, because I, I, I think Memphis, Memphis don't, I don't need to think anything. Memphis don't get the respect that they deserve, because they're Memphis. The fans love the team. The players love playing in that city. And I think Fisdale reached a boiling point where he's, he can see the series slipping away and it's going to be another consecutive first-round uh-huh. defeat for Memphis. And he just popped, but he's got, he's got some attitude. Fisdale's seen it all. I don't know if you've heard his podcast with Adrian Woj uh, about his life growing up in LA, but that guy's been I haven't, through... I haven't yet. Oh, you should. He's been through everything. He's, he's seen everything and he's a, tough, he's a tough cookie. So when he's got something to say, I, I listen. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I like him too. I like him too. And, and I think, yeah, like you said... He had a good point. Um, it's not possible to get that that few free throws when when you shoot that many shots in the paint, and it's not possible that Spurs get that many many free throws. All right, you can play clean defense, but this was too much. Yeah, nine, he had nine. Kawhi had nineteen. I think Memphis had fifteen or sixteen. Do, do do you notice that generally though? Is this 
Is this something the Spurs get favoured? Uh, or do you think it's just random? It's random. I don't think the Spurs get favoured. It, it's the Spurs. <laughs> it's, they are the the good Grizzlies, actually. A team that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I mean, right? That it's a team that, that gets not gets doesn't get too much attention. That plays good basketball, solid play. They have Kawhi Leonard as a star, but he's really quiet. Like I said earlier, they had Tim Duncan before that, quiet star. Um, so, in that case, you can compare them to the Grizzlies. So I don't think this is going to be like the 2000 and what is it, 2006 finals when Dwayne Wade got 5,000 free throws in game three. Hmm. I think we can just applaud David Fisdale for making Memphis against the Spurs in one first round interesting. You know, we're actually talking about it because of him. So that's good. Uh, Clippers, Jazz in the West. That's again, probably the, you know, Westbrook, Oakland, uh, Harden, we'll get onto that. But LAC, Utah, uh, Rudy Gobert goes down in game one. The Jazz pull it out. Joe Johnson, ISO Joe, goes a bit nuts. Uh, you're not going <laughs> to win with Joe Johnson shooting mid-range jumpers, but he did it in game one. Clippers, you can kind of see it's, this is the last hurrah here. And Utah is a good team. I'm really I'm really gutted that Gobert's gone down. We don't know when he'll be back yet. But this is yeah, the most competitive tragedy, series, What right? a tragedy. What a tragedy. Was... Ten seconds into the game. I know. And he... Hurts his knee. It looked bad. If you look at his his legs, they're really skinny. <laughs> um, and then made a serious clap. Um, and I, Bill Simmons said in his podcast that he believes that um, the Jazz can win the series or will win the series without Gobert, but I'm not convinced. I don't think so. I don't think they can handle the Clippers, um, even though they're not as good as they once were. That's bad to say because then you know they're not going to make it through to the conference finals again. That's just Simmons but, living in LA, going to a lot of Clippers games, and he knows that he's seen the Clippers fall back before. We've all seen it. It's a, it's a similar yeah. story every single year. It is, and, and and also what strikes me is Blake Griffin. He's changed. I don't know if you noticed it, but he's not the same old Blake Griffin. Um, if he goes up, he doesn't go up like he used to. He's not at as, as, as athletic. Maybe it's because of the injuries and the moves he makes inside. They always were a little funny backing up and then flicking the ball up. But now he's just running into people. Like, he has no control at all. And he has his good numbers. He's got his, what, 25, 26 points? What was it in game two? But still, it's different. And, yeah, I think they will, if Gobert doesn't return, I think they will be too strong for the Jets. What I, yeah, what I wouldn't like, because I, I like this Utah team a lot during the regular season, especially yeah, with Gobert, of course. Um, but these Clippers, yeah. It was just this a missed, last missed stand, opportunity right? for us too because you, you could have seen DeAndre Jordan against Rudy Gobert. Yeah, too. And the that Clippers, too, that too. You know, and th- th- now you would like to see, you'd hope the Clippers would be smart enough to, to target the alley-oop, right? They would attack and throw it up for Jordan without Gobert inside. But this is a series I, I genuinely just don't know how to call because the Clippers can be really good. They can be really bad. They can get J.J. Redick off picks and frustrate Utah. They can do that. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul can dominate this series if he wants to. It's probably his last run in L.A., uh, free agent at the end of the season. So, you know, do, do you think that? Because he, he made the rule um, in the CBA, the, the new extension rule, that you could get a bigger contract until you were, was it 37? Normally it was 36. Now he, pro- he prolonged it with a year so he can sign a big extension, a five-year extension worth $200 million. 
He's I, 32 right now. So I think, I think he's going I to San Antonio. I don't know if it's yeah, but he's not going to get a max contract there. I think he. I needs, don't think Spurs can pay that. I think he needs can to prioritize winning now. Mm. It, hasn't he? It hasn't he done? Will he? His, he'll be remembered as he'll just he won't be remembered even that he's one of the greatest point guards we've seen. Yeah, he he, he will. Dominic Wilkins is remembered too, right? He never made it through the second round. Yeah, but in the playoffs. I mean, really, what? Where do we put him? Like, where do we? Where do we talk about Wilkins compared to the greats? I don't know. He come. His name comes up, but Paul needs to win something in order to back that top five point guard of all time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree, but I don't think he won't be remembered. But you're right. He has to do something. Um, and I don't think it's going to happen with this team, especially now. Um, JJ Redick lost his shooting touch all mm. of a sudden, uh, got into a little slump, and they need him. They really need him. Um, they got a thin bench. We knew that all season. Better, a better bench than the last few years. But when Blake Griffin isn't Blake Griffin, this isn't the guy who was third in the MVP voting. What was it, three years ago? And This they... isn't the same guy. And you can't believe that this big three were together at 2011. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. That went by so fast. It did. And they've done, they've done nothing. They've, done, they've <laughs> just done absolutely nothing. And another one, quickly, Marie Spates, who uh, could have been utilized so well in this series to draw Gobert out of the paint. Again, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously they'd prefer Gobert not to be playing, but that's, that's by the by. Anyway, uh, last one in the West, Houston, Oklahoma. Um, I was listening to Mike D'Antoni uh, the other day and hearing his offensive philosophy broken down into the Cliff Notes version, he said simply, my offense is to utilize the space and get layups, free throws and threes. And and that sounded pretty fun to me. And he, a lot of coaches won't say in any specific or non-specific terms what they're running and how they do it. D'Antoni just said, this is what we do. And he said the, the mid-range jumper is the worst shot in basketball. It's pointless. And I'm not going to run plays for people to take mid-range jumpers. I just thought that was fascinating. I, I know how his offense is played. You watch games, but to hear mm-hmm. him say that was, was fascinating. Yeah, that's a philosophy, right? Daryl Morey wants to play that way too. So it's a perfect match. General manager of, uh, of the Rockets, Daryl Morey. So that works perfectly. It's a philosophy you wanted to imprint. That's why he got James Harden. Um, and it appears that James Harden loves that style too. But it's cool like, to say that he comes out for it, that he just said, this is how we, says, this is how we play. He's not being yeah, um, sneaky about it. He doesn't come up with some stuff to throw people off. He just says how it is. And we all know it, like you say, we, we've seen it every night, and it's worked. It's worked in Phoenix, it's worked here. It, it hasn't worked in LA and New York. And you know why? Uh, because, now, because he had superstars, Kobe, Carmelo, who didn't buy into the system. And personnel, too. Yeah, that, that, that's one. And personnel, I, I don't think Melo and that Knicks team could have played the way the Rockets do and the Suns did. I don't think the Lakers could have played the way those teams do. So that, that also comes, comes into mind. That also uh, is important to think about. Um, and now, yeah, he's got the perfect team for him. He's got a, a superstar in James Harden. He's a superstar for you, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah, just, just checking. Just no, the beard's checking. not good enough. Um, uh, wow, what a season he's having! Not averaging a triple double, but a triple double overrated. Yeah, essentially, um, that's one rebound from a three throw and one crappy rebound defensively that your power forward <laughs> leaves for you. That that's the difference. If you're going to vote for Westbrook as MVP yeah. because he averaged a triple double, that's the difference. James again, Mike Don Mike D'Antonio was asked as an analyst if you had to be an analyst. 
how would you break down the MVP vote? And and, and obviously he was going to take Harden because it's his guy, but he came up with a genuine reason, which was that Harden has created more offense for his team than Westbrook. And that's very true because Harden is harder to scheme for because he gives the ball up earlier. Westbrook will always drive and dump the ball off to a to a big man yeah. or drive at the end of his pass at the end of his drive to a wing scorer. Whereas Harden might see the pick and roll coming straight away, defenders hesitating. Harden whizzes it out to the wing. I think he's more effective. He's more of a willing passer than Westbrook, and that's why D'Antoni said what he did. That's one. And Harden had what was it, twenty nine point eight points per game, eleven assists a game, and the twenty nine points he four hundred shots less. Then Russell Westbrook this season, 400 shots. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. And that's, that's the reason why I put James Harden above, above uh, Westbrook. Because, yeah, he's surrounded by shooters. He's surrounded by a system that fits him more than Westbrook is doing. But Westbrook is doing so much. I think he's doing too much. Look at Oladipo. I like, I like Oladipo. And his season wasn't that great. And that was mostly because Westbrook did so much. And some people, the guys who vote for Westbrook, say he had to do it. Look at last night, what he did. I don't think he has to. And like you say, he dumps the ball off at the last moment. Um, he does it great, but I don't think it's necessary for that team. Do you think he needs to take 43 shots like he did in game no. two? You make a great no, point. You make a great point, and, and that's, it shows up now because it's the postseason. He gets 50 points for a triple-double, 45, whatever it is. And they don't win because, yes, you can say you can credit Westbrook more because he has less help. But really, James Harden has completely transformed a team that was essentially built on two superstars, himself and Dwight Howard. The latter didn't work out. They surrounded the team with players that, yes, can shoot the three, but we weren't sure if Gordon and Anderson were going to stay upright. We weren't sure if Ariza wasn't finished as an NBA player. So... For that to work out, Lou Williams, again, another one that gets criticized in the playoffs. This has just worked. And James Harden, for Mm. the ego he has, for the selfishness he has displayed in the past, I was not a big fan of his at all until this season. For what he's done and the control that Mike Tony has given him, and he has completely listened, unlike Melo and Kobe did with the Knicks and the Lakers. And you can just see the benefits of, of, of this system. It's making James Harden's reputation better. It's made him a better player. And we've seen him being one of the better passers in the game. And, 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 and I'm really, I'm very impressed personally. And, and I think if they can just get through this series, it's a good job MVP voting has already closed because I do think people would be swayed seeing this series. Don't you think it would be a little bit embarrassing if two months from now, because the NBA has the award show mm. when the playoffs are over. I don't like that, by the way. Uh, I want the, the awards handed out during the players. I, I like that. See, I don't like. Uh, I don't like that because it's it's almost no. it's almost strange if the MVP winner is not if the playoff series is going against them or they're not in there anymore. I mm-hmm. don't know. The voting's already finished, though, hasn't it? It's already closed. Yeah, but now imagine if if um, OKC gets swept by the Rockets. Imagine uh, that happens, and Westbrook, and Westbrook wins. wins the MVP. Yeah. At the award show. But it's the regular season and MVP, right? I know. I know it's a regular season MVP, but that's why they have to hand it out earlier. That's why they have to... Yeah. It would... Westbrook or Harden... I think Westbrook will win it. I, I would vote for Harden, but I think Westbrook will win, will win it. Um, he would have gotten it at the beginning of the conference final, so he would have been out already. But still, it's different for me. 
I think if you had more time, I guess the the regular season finished on Wednesday, the playoffs started Saturday. You could do it, but how you would do the ceremony, I don't know. Maybe it'd be the yeah. first day of the postseason. Whoever's the MVP gets the trophy then. Yeah. Because don't they give it that, out? That, don't they usually choice. give it out on the second round before? No, I think conference finals, if I look back, Akeem, uh, David Robinson got hit one in the first game against the Rockets conference finals when Akeem murdered him. Okay. Uh, Malone got, yeah, so I, I, I think it's the first game of the conference finals. Um, I had some great battles because of that. Um, so, so that was cool. But after the first day, that's, that, that's good. Um, I, can, I can like that. But nothing's going to be as embarrassing as Dirk Nowitzki getting his MVP trophy in uh, oh, 07. When they yeah. got uh, beaten by the We Believe Warriors, <laughs> that was that was painful. Yeah. Oh yes, in the Baron Davis Warriors. Uh, but I, I, the, talking to the MVP, it's it's must yeah. be one of the hardest votes this season because you could. I think a lot of people ruled out LeBron and Kawhi too early, and J, although the the award hasn't gone out, and I'm sure if it had yeah. gone out to one of Westbrook or Harden, then this series would have even more bad blood. But I I can see that both of them are trying to prove a point, even though they know that they can't. They can't affect the voting anywhere, anyway, from now on. But you just yeah, see are, it yeah. in their games. That there is a there is a rivalry. The fact that Harden played in Oklahoma as well, he believes he had a better season. He's done all he can. So I, I would but vote for James Harden. Re- yeah, the fact they're really good friends. Um, but I I I would vote for Harden too today. I've changed my mind every day so far, but today it's James Harden. Um, I would not put Russell Westbrook at number two. It will be Kawhi Leonard because by of, far because of what he does both ends. And 62 wins. 62 wins 60, for a team that weren't built to win 50. 62, look at the, that, at the team he has. Yeah, you got the beautiful names. The names are all great. Yeah. But Pau Gasol isn't Pau Gasol anymore. He's fallen off a huge cliff. The Marcus Aldridge is the second best player, but he wasn't that good this year. He's also fallen off. Tony Parker is old Tony Parker. He's Anthony Parker now. Um, Manu Ginobili, yeah, he had his days, but yeah, you know he's getting old too. You know he gets seven points a game from Ginobili. Uh, Paddy Mills, Davis Bertans, Dwayne Dedman. Let's Jonathan say Dedman. Those is, aren't the names. Dwayne Dedman is starting over Gasol, which, first yeah, of all, he, he should. says a lot about uh, Greg Povich and the, the respect he has because Pau Gasol didn't yeah. want to go to the bench in Chicago. But I the, know, but I know. You playing Dedman, who is a journeyman, and you've got, you like you said, an aging Parker and Ginobili. LaMarcus Aldridge shot his worst percentage since his rookie season. Gasol clearly hasn't replaced Tim Duncan. So, I mean, I know that you would have read it as well. Zach Lowe voted for Kawhi Leonard. That was in his column. Yeah. One of our favourites. And, and, and you read all the reasons why. And it, it just made total sense. But I've got to admit to you, when Westbrook hit that game winner against Denver, <laughs> to sink them at the playoffs, to get the 50-point triple-double, to get break Oscar's record, it, it was almost like a culmination of the season. I'm just going to vote for Russell. But now I'm seeing the, pl- the postseason, and it shouldn't affect you at all. But... For me, Harden's done everything an MVP has to do. And if you want to make the triple-double case, 42 triple-doubles, triple-double average, um, don't, the triple-double, the term triple-double was invented by a Lakers PR guy in the mid-'80s when Magic Johnson was getting a lot of triple-doubles. And he just, yeah, he just invented the name and it stuck. Um, Oscar Robinson had five seasons where he averaged Almost a triple level. What was it? Nine point four assists, nine point eight rebounds. That that's the same thing, actually. <laughs> yeah. And don't you think when you look back at how Will Chamberlain played, he was a real stat patter. He wanted to get ten assists a game, he got it. He wanted to get fifty points a game, he got it. Twenty rebounds a game, he got it. Uh, don't you think he would have averaged a triple double if he knew how big a deal it was? 
Yes, he would. We're fascinated by stats. That was the se- 1962. Oscar gets the triple double average. Wilt Chamberlain averages yeah. 50 points a game, and Bill Russell averages 27 rebounds a game. But uh, what about double doubles, though, Dennis? Like, if you said to me, like, if, if you're debating what's more important, what's more valuable, triple doubles or double doubles? James Harden had over 50 double doubles this season. Like, mm-hmm. he had 21 triple doubles, I think. That's more than Westbrook had last season. He had 18 last season. And that was seen as historic. So it's all it's all relative, and I think we've we've been we're overcome with stats, and and we're also talking about stats way too much than we should be. Just watch the games. That's all you have to do. Watch yeah. the games, and listen to Coach Fizdale. Take that for data. <laughs> that is the. I want to get the T-shirt. They're they're all on sale in Memphis. Yeah. Don't rock yeah, me. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> La- la- last oh, one, too. man, and I'm not going to say anything on this because I'm tired of talking about the Knicks, but what is going on with the Knicks? <laughs> what a mess, what a mess. What is Phil Jackson doing? Oh, and then now Lala left Carmelo, so Melo is free to go to, to Cleveland um, <laughs> uh, because Lala would never have been, a, been able to, to live in Cleveland. But what a mess. Even, even Porzingis doesn't want to go to the exit meetings. What, what's happening? Because he's so sick and tired of what's happening. It's been his second year in the league and he... Already just saying, no, I'm not going. No, Phil, figure it out. And they have to listen to Porzingis because he's the future. Oh, I don't know. The Knicks are such a mess. I'm really curious what they're going to do with Melo, uh, where he's going. Uh, if we can believe Jalen Rose, Melo is going to the Clippers uh, next season. And Blake Griffin is going to Oklahoma City. And the Knicks get some garbage. <laughs> um, <laughs> well that's, said. <laughs> uh, that's, what it, yeah, that's what he predicts. So... Uh, mostly what he, sa- what he says mostly comes true. So um, I tend to believe Mr. Rose in, uh, in this one. But the Knicks, yeah, they're a mess. And, and, and actually, it's hurtful. It's like the Lakers. But, you know, the Lakers, they always bounce back in some way. The Knicks, they've been bad for so long. And they have such a loyal fan base. And they're such a great arena that play in Manhattan, in New York, in Madison Square Garden. Everything can be so great for that team. And they suck. They just suck and they <laughs> mellow yeah i don't know if i if i ask you to make a choice between carmelo anthony or phil jackson who do you think has to leave and but remember you're stuck with the other one until his contract expires you know what i'm gonna keep mellow because there's certain things he'll do now the knicks sell out games every single season no matter how bad they are but at least the fans get to see Carmelo. I, I was there. I saw three Knicks games, and I, I told you I preferred Brooklyn game. The Nets were so much fun <laughs> to watch. But the Knicks fans, at least they get to see Carmelo play. They don't get anything out of Phil Jackson. What he says about his coach, and he said that there's, there's, uh, there's been disconnect between the coach and the players. Well, I'm sorry, but the players <laughs> were getting frustrated with Hornacek because he kept changing from a non-triangle offense to a triangle offense. And they got frustrated with Kurt Rambis for changing the defense. That is all coming from Phil Jackson. If he's mm-hmm. not in the building, then all we get is selfish Mello, bad Knicks, but we don't get any of this drama. So I'm taking Mello over Jackson, but I'd rather have neither of them. I, I, if, yeah, I, it just, that would be the perfect solution. You know, you go to America, you live a long way away, we do in Europe here, and we love the NBA, and all we want to do is watch live games. I actually missed, deliberately one of the Knicks games I was supposed to go to because I couldn't face to watch them again. Like, it, it was that bad. It, it was that bad. Like, I love a bit well, of Ron Baker, but if Ron Baker is your, is your saviour, then I think you're in trouble. 
rum burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> well, well said. And I, I just saw a stat before you go, Micker Adams on Twitter. With Isaiah Thomas on the floor, the Bulls have an offensive rebound percentage of 40, which is up from 30.8 when he's on the bench. The best ever in NBA history is 38.5. So uh, there you go. Thomas on the floor, the, the Bulls are rebounding 40 percentage. That's, that's pretty, pretty high. They're pretty hard, and Thomas on the bench. The Celtics don't have any any good scoring. So <laughs> yeah, so that's a that's a loss loss. That's probably the best stat you could reply to him with. Well, with, <laughs> with, without Isaiah, they're pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they can't uh, they can't do anything. That's uh, that's why that that sucks for the number one seed. Well, it's been fun. Uh, I know we're going to do it again next week. So let's let explain. I'll, I'm going to be. Uh, joining you on your X and O's podcast. Is that right? Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, just have to figure out a day, but uh, we'll get one. And then next week, we're going to talk um, probably about uh, the ending of the of the first round, right? Let's hope so. Let's, let's hope the second round is, is, is fully in swing. Well, maybe it will All be. Right. Well, thanks, yeah, for, thanks perfect, for chatting. Man. Dennis Seitz on Twitter. You can follow his podcast, X and O's. Thank you for your time, mate, and enjoy the games. Always, man. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Oh, the Knicks, the lowly Knicks. Let's just wait and see what happens in the next few months with those New York Knicks. I don't want to talk about them until then, though. Until Carmelo or Phil or Jeff or friends has been fired. We'll wait and see. Thanks for listening to this episode of the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle. Please help the show. If you've, if you've liked what you heard, please go to iTunes. Uh, check us out there. Subscribe and leave a review if you would like. Audio Boom is also our official carrier for this podcast, so you can head to audioboom.com and check out the show there. Thanks for listening. Please get in touch with me as well on Twitter, at Max of the Score Whittle. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks to my guest, Dennis Syatt, for his contributions today on the podcast. And until next time, enjoy the games. 